You don't even need to be going through adversity like um, infidelity and breast cancer to find that you are worrying about the past and worrying about the future and wishing you'd done things differently and all of that rather than being in the present. And it's so easy to have something beautiful happening in front of you and you're not even enjoying it because your mind is somewhere else. It drives wives wicked. It makes such a golden brown pot. It must be lots of fun to be a mother. I've got something to apologize for. I wore my good suit because it was plain and neat. Afraid of not knowing what is proper. This yellow fluffo is such a short... Hi, I'm Susan Osman, and this is Been There, Done That, a show about women who are shaping our world. They're not just striving, but thriving. Experienced, smart women who are redefining what it means to be a woman in the workplace. You know I can't work without a good breakfast. All right, Claire, stop typing, please. All right, Claire, stop typing, please. All right, Claire, stop typing, please. This week, I talked to one of these women, CJ Grace. She's a voiceover artist, a former BBC journalist, motivational speaker and author. And she joins me now. Hi, CJ. Hi, thank you so much for having me on the show today. It's wonderful uh, for you to be with us. Now, I, we're going to tell our listener that you're you're talking to us from Maui in Hawaii. That's true. Yes. <laughs> um, you can tell I'm not a native Mauian, but in fact, um, uh, I'm, an, uh, I'm an expat Brit here on uh, Maui in Hawaii. And I have to say, having traded one island for another, I prefer the weather on this one. I bet you do. <laughs> oh, to be in Hawaii now that uh, February's here, uh, or oh, to be in Hawaii full stop. Now, Caroline, you, uh, CJ, your book, Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not, uh, a lot of women, um, maybe this is a bit of a generalization, but a lot of women who are betrayed probably don't want people to know about it. Yet you wrote a book about your husband's adulterous uh, pastime. Why did you write the book? And was it cathartic? Yes, all of the above. It was a cathartic experience, but I didn't write it just about my own uh, story. I spoke to a number of women from all over the world, actually, and found that there are no single ways to navigate this problem. Um, some people do choose to stay. Um, I was actually considering that for some time, but the problem in my case was that my ex-husband did not want to give up his latest mistress and actually offered me a part-time wife position. Uh, kind of him. I, uh, <laughs> very kind of him. Uh, and I actually considered that for several months because the idea of your whole life collapsing um, in 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 that way is is something that you don't want to happen, and you think, well, could I do that? Could I could I do that? Is it is it as he says, just my conditioning that makes me not want to accept that kind of relationship? But uh, eventually, I thought, nah, this isn't going to work for me, especially after getting breast cancer. Um, the combination of that, while my ex husband was, um, you know. Uh, with his girlfriend and I was undergoing chemotherapy, that just didn't sit right with me. And I realized that I needed to move on. I, I, I will talk about your, your illness in a moment, but I'm very interested in the fact that you've spoken to so many women from around the world because women in the past 
traditionally were often encouraged to overlook their husbands' infidelities because of financial uh, dependence on their husbands. But things, of course, have changed. That's true. And there was also a change in attitudes because in the old days, it seemed like it was perfectly fine for the man to go gallivanting about, um, but not for the woman to do the same thing. And uh, women were just supposed to you know, keep the home fires burning and put up with it and rear the children. And if, if the husband had other women on the go, they just dealt with it. But um, thankfully, <laughs> these days, that's not the case. And there, there are changes in, in attitudes. But um, in many cases, you're absolutely right. There is a financial incentive to keep things as they are. Because in most cases, when people divorce, you have 50% or less of the um, of the assets that you had when you were together. How long had you been married for, CJ? Um, almost 30 years, a little bit, a shade under 30 years. Uh, we, In fact, we just had uh, a couple of years prior, I'd had my 25th wedding anniversary and it was the best one ever spent in Hawaii. Uh, we had a house here and I felt like I was living in the land of the gods. Gosh, and it all came crashing down. Absolutely. So, do so when you go and give your motivational talks. What what does what are the things you say to someone who might be even as we as they might be listening to this now, who might suspect that uh, their partner is being adulterous? What are the kind of advice or tips you give to people? I developed a six-part program, in fact, to stop feeling like hell. It wasn't something that I thought. Well, I've got to go and develop six-part program. It just happened organically to me. I, I found that I was doing things to make myself feel better. First one was to find confidants and mentors who had my best interests at heart. Now, you know, for some people, those people could be friends. For others, they could be paid counselors. And I found it very useful to have at least one of the opposite sex because I got very different insights from him than I did from my other uh, confidants. And a confidant isn't necessarily the same thing as a friend, because one of those things that you want is confidentiality. Um, and I found that I had to choose pretty carefully. One particular guy I um, spoke to ended up emailing all our mutual friends about what I'd talked to him about, which oh was not what I wanted, you know. No. Um, so you, a, a confidant is somebody that keeps it confidential, and that's what you want. And also somebody who can put up with you venting your deepest, darkest thoughts and not be turned off by that. Uh, not necessarily all your friends will want to hear you in that state of negativity, to be honest, but it's useful to have people who are willing to put up with that and uh, very, very helpful in terms of um, getting over it. If somebody has advice that they can offer you, my main confidant, in fact, had done counseling work himself, even though I wasn't commissioning him as a counselor, he was just a friend. And he offered some really very helpful advice. I was, I was very grateful. What advice did he give you? Um, well, he, it was advice such as um, the rest of what I was doing, you know, cultivating existing and new connections um, who are friends of my own rather than friends that I knew through my spouse or people that were part of the business that we shared together. Um, one of the things that I realized was that I dropped all the community I'd had previous to my marriage because I was so bound up with 
looking after the shared business, looking after the house, looking after the kids. Um, one really good friend of mine even thought that uh, she'd done something to offend me because I had ignored her emails. I'd been so busy. <laughs> so that's not what you want. You need to have your own friends um, that are not part of your husband's circle. The other thing was that um, I really needed to laugh. Laughter therapy was a big deal. Um, I tried to hang out with people who made me laugh rather than brought me down. And I watched comedies and not depressing dramas. Uh, and, you know, despite being a former BBC journalist, I actually gave up watching the news because it's all bad news. It's yeah. it's not going to make you feel more uplifted. So So that was a big part of it. And having been brought up on a diet of Monty Python, um, I did start to see the absurd humor in my situation, especially once I got the breast cancer. Um, and if you don't laugh, you cry. And, and what would you rather do? Number four was a, also very important. Love. I, I wanted to love my body and become beautiful. But by that, I didn't mean I was going to suddenly become a supermodel because I think that was something that was never going to be able to happen. I meant internal beauty with that, um, looking after my health, getting enough sleep and exercising to banish the blues because I found outdoor exercise was one of the best antidotes to feeling down, to feeling depressed. Yeah. Uh, and that was, was key. One friend of mine who had a bout of, 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 of serious depression, I persuaded her to go out 15 minutes a day to walk in her local park, and it made a massive difference. She was able to get out of bed in the morning. And, and five and six? And number five was finding my passion and being more of a hedonist, because I found that I was constantly keeping my nose to the grindstone, looking after my husband, looking after everything that uh, that that our relationship involved including business children house all of that and i didn't do anything for myself um and he was a fairly demanding guy and so i was always finding that i was sublimating my own personality into ministering to him and everybody else and you've just got to make time for yourself and finding a passion for me, it was writing. For some people, it could be a musical instrument or art or volunteering for a cause that they strongly believe in. But uh, that's so important because that's what makes you want to get up in the morning. And number six? And number six was the hardest one, actually. Uh, you know, the past is gone. The future doesn't exist. Now is all there is. So I worked at trying to live in the present and become more mindful so that I was fully engaged in what I was doing right now. Uh, and you don't even need to be going through adversity like um, infidelity and breast cancer to find that you are worrying about the past and worrying about the future and wishing you'd done things differently and all of that, rather than being in the present. And it's so easy to have something beautiful happening in front of you and you're not even enjoying it because your mind is somewhere else. You've touched on having cancer, uh, but you didn't just have it once. You had it twice. Uh, and uh, and you, you've written a book, My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity. 
So, so tell us how on earth did you, you overcame this huge psychological uh, shock? Then you got sick and you got sick twice. How on earth have you overcome all these challenges? Well, I think in most cases, you have to put one foot forward and just get on with life. Um, it was the six-part plan that uh, that really brought me through that, that I've just uh, covered. But what you want to learn to do is to be complete in yourself. Um, you need to feel that you are doing what makes your heart sing. Um, and to be quite honest, if I could wave a magic wand and make the cancer and infidelity never have happened, I wouldn't do it. Interesting. I never would have thought I would have been so much happier on my own than I am with my ex-husband. Um, I didn't see half of the flaws in our relationship until I was out of it. Uh, sometimes your personality is squashed in a relationship, particularly if you have um, a demanding partner and you have a lot of things that you have to take care of. Um, and women often do that, especially when you're having to look after children, hold down a job and look after your husband. Uh, it's, it's hard to maintain your own loves of your own joy and, and your own creativity when you're doing all of that. So um, I'm very grateful, actually, <laughs> to, to my um, husband's final mistress because she sort of gave me a certain amount of freedom. I feel the fr freedom now that I never felt before. Where does forgiveness come into all this? Have you, have you moved past your past so you're no longer defined by your story? H how have you intertwined forgiveness into all this? Yes, forgiveness is a big part of it. Um, and the mantra of my first book, Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not, is that the best revenge is to get past the need for it. Um, I found when I looked online at uh, sites about um, infidelity and, and people who'd been cheated on, there was so much in there about revenge and so much wasted energy planning strategies to have a revenge on the man that's betrayed you or the woman that's betrayed you. Um, and I felt like that was a waste of my life energy. I wanted to use the life energy I had to move forward um, to become, uh, to, to move into a better place than I was in before. Uh, and forgiveness is a key part of it because if you forgive somebody, it's not that you allow yourself to be a doormat. It's that you're breaking the hold that that person had on you. If you can't forgive someone, they're always having a hold on you in your mind. And it's not a good way to move forward when, when you can't release, when you can't let go. I think it's wonderful, CJ, that you live up to your name. You are called CJ Grace. And I, I can't think of anyone who deserves to be called Grace more than you. Where do you get your strength from? Who, who did you look up to when you were a young girl? Was there a, a, a relative or a friend who mentored you, who set an example for you? Where do you get your strength from? Well, I think I got my strength from uh, certain friends who were able to give me good advice. Um, there was another lady that was a very good friend of mine um, whose advice I found very helpful. Her name was uh, Diane Rappaport. And she was uh, somebody who used to work for Bill Graham Presents. 
and was appalled with the way that the musicians were treated by record companies um, back in the day. I think this was in the 70s and ended up writing a book on how to set up your own record label and teaching musicians to basically run their own music business. Um, and now we take it for granted in universities, people uh, learn music business um, tools along with music degrees. But in her day, that was unheard of. And she was a very good friend of mine. Um, and she was somebody who was sort of an endless fountain of compassion. Um, and I would say that, that she was a, ro a great role model for me. Um, and, uh, I didn't know her when I was a child. I knew her when I was, um, you know, before all of this, um, happened before I found out about my husband's infidelity. She was a, a good friend of mine. And I would say that she was probably, um, one of my mentors. She helped me, um, get the book out. It was her publishing company that released it. Um, and, uh, sadly, um, while I was writing the cancer book, she she died of pancreatic cancer. And so, um, yeah. Uh, and in fact, um, she was responsible for um, the, the title of, of the book I'm going to be bringing out, um, My Wild Ride, because originally I had a subtitle that was, um, it was going to be Hotel Chemo, Learning to Laugh Through Breast Cancer and Infidelity. And when my friend Diane got sick, I thought, wow, I think I'm being insulting to Diane by saying learning to laugh when she's suffering with, with this stuff. Or how can she really be learning to laugh with this? And um, I spoke to her about it and she said, yeah, that doesn't, mm, doesn't quite work for me as a, as a title. I mm. said, how about my wild ride? She said, oh, yeah, going through cancer is a hell of a wild ride. So um, I'm, I'm sort of glad that 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 she's actually still got a mark on on my um new new book because yeah, lovely. um yeah. you know uh she she really was a, a fantastic influence on me and I'm very grateful to have had her in my life Diane Rappaport uh, so she she was a, a wonderful person and I wasn't the I I guarantee um there are an awful lot of musicians around um especially in the United States who are extremely grateful to her for what she did so, CJ, how have uh, women reacted to you when you when you share your story of overcoming infidelity and also breast cancer? It's funny because everybody would give me a story about infidelity. Um, I found so much just by chatting to people about my own circumstances, um, and and with the um, breast cancer too. I do have stories of what other people went through um, in that book, but that book is more of um it's it's more of a warts and all memoir and um survival guide um whereas the adulterer's wife book um is more of a self-help book because i had so many more stories from other women in there that that i that i wrote about and i also didn't really want to write that book as a hatchet job on my husband i, I that wasn't what i was doing um and in fact the original title the original subtitle was Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive If You Choose to Stay, because I was actually considering doing that. And that is the harder road to, to um, navigate. And a lot of women, particularly if they're married to, say, celebrities or important people or, you know, um, uh, in, uh, people in jobs where it doesn't really look good to, to split up, there are a lot of women that do put up with unfaithful partners and just um, keep going. 
Did you restrain from doing a hatchet job because of the children, because of your, because of how the, your children would have viewed your, the father? Uh, no, I, no, I, that wasn't the reason. Although I didn't particularly want, I do. Ha I was very fortunate that the children were already grown um, when when this happened because I didn't even have to think about um, breaking up the home and and having them live in two different households and all of that. And uh, that also brings up a, another point. I was actually grateful that I never knew about his philandering when the children were younger because it certainly was going on. But uh, some people would strongly disagree with that. They would say, oh, I always want to know because if he was, then I'd just leave him. I don't care what was happening. You know, I'd just take the children. I was actually grateful I didn't know because it meant that the children grew up in, a, in an intact home um, without that kind of horrible um, sadness or acrimony or whatever hanging over, hanging over them and, and having to you know, choose between two parents, which, which happens to a lot of kids when they are um, facing uh, divorcing parents. What's your view of marriage now? Um, well, maybe I'm a little bit more skeptical about marriage, but in my case, um, uh, at my stage in life, I don't see it as anywhere near as, as necessary. Um, when you're younger and you're nest building, you want to have a house, you want to have children. Um, I think that marriage is essential for that. I, 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 I mean, some people would say, no, you, you can bring up children without having a, a marriage and you can be a single parent or you can just be together without getting married. But for me, it was essential to be able to have um, children, to have a marriage. So I, I think marriage um, absolutely uh, still has a place. Uh, I think that it's important to have more realistic expectations of what the other person um, is going to do because everybody changes when, you know, when they get older and, and when they're embedded in a relationship. And from having a sort of honeymoon period where everything is wonderful and you don't have any responsibilities, when you get married um, and you have to look after each other, you have to look after the house, you have to look after the the children, then, you know, that's not particularly sexy and passionate. And you have to have enough love behind your, it, it, to hold up your relationship to, to make that work. I, I think that's one of the, the, the big problems because it's true if you if you live to, if you live with somebody and if you're having children with them and if you have joint responsibilities that that's often when things start to go sour and people start to stray because they can go and have somebody else with no strings attached and everything's wonderful but that's because it's not attached to any responsibilities whatsoever and what about your health cj are you okay now um i at the moment i'm fine i mean all of us are um healthy until we're not i suppose um and i'm very careful to um eat well to exercise to you know take supplements and all of this stuff um and and have regular checkups uh so i think that that that's really all you can do i mean i can go outside and get run over by a car tomorrow 
you know. Um, so at, at the moment, I'm I'm absolutely fine. So so that's a good thing. So what does CJ Grace's future look like in the next, say, ten years from now? Do you have any plans? Well, I'll um, I'll continue uh, writing. Um, the third book that I want to bring out, which is is more of a, a snarky, sarcastic book, is is going to be a hundred gifts for your cheating ex. Because every Christmas I do twelve spoof gifts for your cheating ex, um, and I whenever I go to yard sales or in France the vide grenier and find weird items, I just take photographs and then I write sort of comedy. Um, uh, pieces about how these these would make good gifts for somebody who was unfaithful. <laughs> so so um, that's that's my third project um, that will probably come out. I've already done sixty of the hundred because I've done uh, five years of uh, Christmas gifts for your cheating ex, and, and they're all up on my website. Um, so uh, anybody can go and take a look <laughs> at them. I think I even had one on Huff Post. <laughs> So it, I, I don't know if you can answer. If you had one sentence to say to any woman who is listening right now, who's in an adulterous relationship or having to challenge cancer, what what would it be? I want to emphasize that there is hope after dealing with adversity like infidelity and breast cancer, and I'm living proof of that. Uh, and you know, if 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 you're feeling lousy right now, you don't have to put up with it. There are things you can do to to make yourself feel better. Um, uh, you know, I have the tools for that on my website, adulteresswife.com, um, which is actually a terrible name for a website. So um, you can actually get to my website now if you go to cjauthor.com, cjauthor.com. And I've got a free PDF that you can uh, get called Tools to Tame the Roller Coaster of Negative Emotions. Um, and, uh, I think that that is the first step is to try to calm down your emotions when you go through adversity, like infidelity and, uh, breast cancer. Uh, once you're on an even keel, you can make good decisions. Uh, when you're on an emotional roller coaster, you could, you, to make decisions is not a good idea. You're not going to necessarily make decisions that are going to be serving your long-term best interests. So um, I think that that is the that's what I would say. There is hope, and um, it's to do with looking after yourself, putting yourself first, basically. CJ Grace, I can definitely say that you have been there, done that, and thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much, Susan. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Been There, Done That with me, Susan Osman. Visit us on btdtshow.com for more interviews with dynamic women. And I'd love to hear from you as well. So please leave us a review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. These are words of respect. How can you tell when you're really in love? And look how flaky it is. The girls weigh each portion of food they select. The Been There, Done That show is brought to you by Dan Hall at Pup Media Consultancy. We can still have a lot of fun, can't we? Your manners are showing. I'm a princess. Mabel loves cooking and does it well. Overweight makes an individual undesirable. Lovely stockings. I 
And you think that's all that matters?